Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sapphic Time Travel Club. We're your hosts. I'm Laurel Hachineva. And I'm Audrini. I was going to say, and I'm Audrini. <laughs> Doing so well. To kick off the new year, 2024, we thought we'd go all the way back <laughs> to 2020 when we were just wee baby portrait fans. And we were literally four and <laughs> had just started this podcast back when it was called Podcast of a Lady on Fire. Oh. Today, we're going to revisit our second episode released over three years ago, uh, which is like 13 years in Panini time. On April 24th, 2020, deep, deep, deep in the early days of Shelter in Place, um, we had literally just met. Still virtually. Yeah. We yeah. had not met in person. And I think it was a, maybe like the second time, third time we spoke <laughs> to each other. <laughs> and you can tell we really like each other. That's a great idea. Yeah. So the second conversation you have should be recorded and then released as like a public artifact. For every yeah, Maybe. everyone Whatever. should do that. Yeah. Love it. All right. So now travel back in time with us to one of our very first conversations about the movie that started it all. And then we'll all come back together at the end and talk about it, which is very meta talking about the podcast on the podcast. But all right, here we go. Lesbian chaos. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Podcast of a Lady on Fire, where we'll explore the filmmaking, themes, and community involved in Celine Siama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We are your hosts. I'm Laurel Hachinova. And I'm Audrey Nee. And today we are talking about why we love this film so much. A couple of quick disclaimers before we dive in. Neither of us speak French, so apologies in advance for our pronunciation, and we are also assuming that you've watched the movie, so this podcast will have a bunch of spoilers if you haven't. That's just a heads up. So first off, how did you first hear about this movie? So my friend Dor saw the film at the Woodstock Film Festival last year, hmm. and she recommended it to me. And I think at that point I had already seen the trailer a few times and it was one of those things where I was like, I'll watch this because I'll watch any queer film or queer leaning film. But she was like really excited about it. She loved it immediately and thought I would love it too. And I think she compared it to Carol, not at all in terms of the actual storyline or anything, but she knew I loved Carol and thought that I would have kind of a same reaction to portrait. But I have to admit, after I saw the trailer the first time, I was not... <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like okay like this looks fine like this looks really pretty but otherwise kind of a basic period piece yeah yeah did you have a similar reaction yeah so you were aware of it when it first was released in what is it like mid 2019 yeah I heard about it maybe last summer while it was doing the festivals mm -hmm. and then I think the trailer came out around that time as well okay and then if I remember correctly it was first released in the States in November last year for a very, very limited run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I started seeing the trailers on like Instagram knows to send me queer film trailers, I guess, which is great. That was probably, yeah, later in the year. And same, it's like I got the sense that it was a, a queer film, but in the trailer, I wasn't really drawn to either of the, the main actors. I'm not generally a fan of period pieces so I was like well I guess I'll see it whenever it's easy for me to see it and I guess I'm sort of glad that I I waited because and I think we were talking about this earlier I don't know that I would have been able to survive 
if I had seen it during the limited run and not been able to watch it five more times consecutively, but we'll we'll get into that later. So yeah, I think I first heard about it via Instagram mid-2019, and then you actually were one of the the few people on my on, on any of my social media feeds that was at all excited about it. And I think you, you posted several times and that got me more interested in it. So I finally sought it out when it ended up on Hulu. I felt like I wanted to post about it constantly, like every, <laughs> yeah. every hour, but I was really <laughs> restraining myself. <laughs> yeah, you responded to a post asking if you should see this, if it's tragic. Yeah. Inside I was like, you need to fucking see this <laughs> now. But what I wrote was a little bit more constrained. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, you should check it out. <laughs> It's sad, but it's not tragic. Yeah, I'm glad you were honest about the ending. That was that was helpful. So where did you end up seeing it? I saw it at this little indie theater in San Francisco, The Landmark in mm-hmm. Embarcadero. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Side note for anyone listening, we both live in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. which probably made it a little bit easier for us to see it earlier, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. When they released it to a wider audience on Valentine's Day, I think I went on that day to see it. And... Similar to you, I'm really glad that I waited and I did not see it in November because I think I would have pulled my hair out. <laughs> because as soon as I got out of the theater, it was kind of like, okay, how do I... I mean, I needed some breathing room because it felt like it impacted me so hard Yeah, that I needed to be able to breathe for a little bit. But I did immediately want to, you know, go back and see it again. Just like turn right around yeah. back in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where did you see it? So the first time I saw it was not in a theater. And I'm hoping that like after we're not sheltering in place, they re-release it into theaters or something because I really want to see it on a big screen. But I saw it on Hulu the day after it came out. One of my guy friends on Twitter posted about it and said that he loved it. And I was like, oh, huh, that's interesting. And so I saw it the next day and I watched it with my girlfriend and we were both floored. We loved it so much. And I watched it again by myself around midnight that night. But yeah, TV viewing. So talk a little bit more about your first impression. (laughs) It was surprising to me. And okay, so one of the things that I will maybe forever regret is that I told my girlfriend walking into it, she hadn't heard anything about it. And I told her that we should watch it because it's a queer love story. And I wish I hadn't told her that. I wish that we had started watching the film and then she would have realized that they were falling in love as they were realizing that they were falling in love. You know, Mm -hmm. I wish I could take that back. Don't regret. Don't regret. Remember. (laughs) Oh my God, you're right. So it was a slow build. I wasn't really expecting to love it. And then almost immediately, the way that Marianne is presented is I liked her instantly. You know, the way that she's teaching her class she seems very poised and she seems very good at her job I feel like even subconsciously I felt like this isn't a woman that I've seen in period pieces too often if ever before right it's like this woman who's very confident she's working you know (laughs) she's at the front of a room that was maybe even on a subconscious level very new to me and very engaging and then the boat scene where without hesitation she jumps into this icy cold deep ocean you know to retrieve her crate without any assistance or asking for assistance also just prior to that she's not seasick in this like really rocky journey across the waves she doesn't appear weak at all at any time and 
so I started to love her more and more. And then as the film went on, like I, I liked everyone, you know, even the Countess, who in some respects represents the, the patriarchy in a way. You know, it's like she's kind of the, the go between between her daughter and this this Milanese noble. And I liked her. I thought she was really smart. And I found myself in love with the movie subconsciously before I realized it consciously and then I think it wasn't until I finished the movie that I was like whoa what what just happened you know that was my first impression what was your first impression I felt like it was just so consuming and similar to you where I don't I think I knew during the film that I was falling in love with this movie so to speak but I don't think it really occurred to me like how big of an impact it it had until I kind of stepped out and I was like holy shit like something just happened it like rocked me yeah I felt like it became sort of my lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like my gender identity. <laughs> it was all consuming. It was all I could think about afterwards. I think I immediately went home, if not while I was biking home, like looking at my phone, looking up everything I could find about it, yeah, like articles, yeah. anything on Instagram, anything about the actors, anything about the director. I'd heard of Celine Siama before, but not really either of the two main actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just completely all consuming. And it still is in many ways, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that about any other film. When I was watching it, it was for me similar where it was this sort of gradual build up where I think because of the way that it was shot, you're looking at everything from Marianne's point of view, at least at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like following Eloise to the cliff and when she's running. So I think your or at least my experience almost paralleled Marianne's, yeah. right? Yeah. But I remember one scene in particular where Eloise has just gotten back from listening to music at mass. And there's that now famous quote where she says something like, in solitude, I I felt the liberty you spoke of, but I also felt your absence. Wait, she had gone to mass? Yeah. So Marianne really needed time to paint. Yeah. She kept getting back late and not having enough light. And so she told her mom that it would be really good. Or her mom suggested you basically take a day off from babysitting Eloise (laughs) and just paint for a day. And then Marianne was like, well, why don't you just let Eloise walk on her own this time? Right. Yeah. And so she talked to Eloise about that later in the day where she was like, your mom's going to let you hang out by yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. And Eloise, I believe, said she'll go to mass. And I think Marianne was like, oh, oh to like pray or something. And Eloise was yeah. like, no, to listen to music. And then that led up to the harpsichord Vivaldi right, scene. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so oh she gets gosh. back from mass and Marianne is in the, the dining area and she walks in and Marianne has oil paint on her hand. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. does that thing where she turns. <laughs> and then Eloise is glowing because she just listened to music. And then I don't know if you remember this, but the way they were standing was Eloise was kind of in the background uh-huh. in focus and Marianne was in the foreground out of focus. Yeah. And that's when Eloise says, in solitude, I felt the liberty you spoke of. Yeah. And then she says, but I also felt your absence. And then I think it's called rack focus, where they shift the focus. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Eloise becomes out of focus. Marianne goes into focus. But as she's going into focus, she also turns mm-hmm. simultaneously, which was so skillful. The cinematographer is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm getting chills thinking about it now. I remember like gasping, <laughs> grabbing my, my girlfriend's leg and just it just pulled my heart out. It was just so powerful. The, yeah. the editing, the dialogue. You know, it was just very poetic, everything about that scene. And that was one of the first times in the film I remember being like, oh, my God, what am I watching? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that, yeah, that that exact feeling, the oh, my God, what am I watching, Mm -hmm. happens so often Mm -hmm. in that film. And it's so unexpected because especially if you walk in thinking, oh, here's another period piece. 
And then you get this weird bonfire scene where all of a sudden there's this droning noise and then there's this clapping and the droning noise starts to harmonize and then they start singing in the dark around a bonfire and you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's going on? And yeah, it, it was moments like that that just gutted and floored me over and over. Absolutely. They were so unexpected, but then looking back, it all makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Of course this is it. You know, this yeah. is the film. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's amazing how complete the film is without feeling overdone or like it's trying too hard. It's just so elegantly put together that the more that I rewatch it and the more that I dig in, it never loses the initial magic. It actually feels even more beautiful and complex, like every time I find out something new about it. Yeah, it's just incredible filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned this last time, but it truly rewards multiple viewings, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I have it on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's no music. I'll be working and it's just like, oh, look, it's playing. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. There was one point where I was trying to rewatch something in it and Hulu was giving me this error message and I was like, oh no, have I watched it too much? Like, did I did I meet a maximum, did I meet a quota and I can't watch it at, at all anymore? I think that was the day I bought the DVD. Hulu's like, your obsession has peaked. Like, you cannot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, we're shutting you down. Suspicious level of activity coming from your account. <laughs> so I bought the DVD, but now I also have to buy a DVD player because we don't have anything that plays DVDs anymore. But it's like, okay, yeah, I guess that's what I'll have to do. You're talking about the Criterion Collection mm -hmm. one? Okay, that one's coming out in June, right? June, okay. yeah. You have two months to get yourself a <laughs> DVD player. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm kind of curious, have you purchased anything else related to Portrait? No, I haven't. There are a couple... Um, really cute looking things like I've come across some enamel pins some shirts and stuff on Instagram but I haven't purchased anything else you have an awesome hat yeah it's super cute it's this black dad hat as they say <laughs> <laughs> it's hand embroidered by someone in Texas that is such a nice touch I love that yeah. it's embroidered I wanted to go back to something you said earlier you mentioned your girlfriend had never seen any of the trailers and Knew nothing about the film? Yeah, I don't think she was familiar with it until we saw it on Hulu. Yeah, That's impressive. Yeah, how about your girlfriend? I think she was kind of in the same boat as me where she had seen the trailer and was kind of like, eh, what, eh. like I'll watch <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah. but yeah. you know, I don't know. But then, yeah, when we saw it, we were just like, oh my God, like, yeah. what in the world? What just yeah. happened? But I do... I wish I could watch it with someone who knew nothing about it. Yeah, you know? same. Well, I would also want that person to be queer and preferably female because I feel like it has a special impact on, on us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I don't know how we're going to find that person, but <laughs> yeah. that's my goal during this quarantine is <laughs> yeah. to find someone. But I guess I think it also has to be a particular person though because I insisted that one of my queer female friends watch it and I told you this earlier but she was not as into it like nearly as into it as I was she was I think she said the ending left her sad and sort of annoyed and I get it like I get that we've maybe run our course on sad endings but I was so sad because she used to be a film studies major so I thought that she would at least love it from that angle and I thought like oh if there was ever an audience for this film, it is you. And then I sent it to her and it was like, oh, this didn't also change your life because I am a different person now. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping that it would have the same effect. But yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah, I have one friend who is also a queer female who saw it and was like, it was fine. It was really 
pretty. I think she described it as simplistic. And I was like, ah. do not mistake minimalist <laughs> yeah. for simplistic. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, totally. Also, we're going to need about two weeks before I talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't talk to her anymore. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm like on that note, I'm really happy that my girlfriend had the same reaction. Because at least we were able to like gush at each other about I mean, I'm more obsessed than she is, of course, but I think that's just the nature of who I am versus the nature of who she is. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that you don't have to split up now, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but similar. Like, I definitely have way more obsessive tendencies than, than my girlfriend. We watch it twice together, and I don't I don't know if she'll watch it again. She's not like a, you know, watch multiple times mm-hmm. kind of viewer, but I, I am. Like, I'll watch a movie 30 times. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can continue watching it on my own. That's okay. So we watched it twice as well. And I think she would watch it again if it were for a specific thing. So it's like, okay, help me pick out symbolism, you know, throughout the movie or help me yeah, figure something else out about it. But I don't know that she would be up for just a casual third rewatching of it. Part of the reason Heather, my girlfriend, won't watch it again is because not because she doesn't love it, but because there's still this heart-wrenching aspect to it. Even though it's yeah. not tragic, it's still yeah. painful, right? Like, I have to admit, on a couple viewings, I did not watch the last scene because I yeah, was like, totally. I'm going to just yeah, cut yeah. myself off here because it's. I don't want to spend the rest of the week in bed crying. <laughs> yeah. We saw it once, and then we saw it, I think, one, like a couple weeks later with some friends who also loved it. Afterwards, she was like, I can't, I can't do that again. You know, it's a trial, yeah. and it's a lot, so I can kind of understand that. And Adele and Elle said something that secured the ending for me in a way that I was really grateful for. She said they weren't going to end the film happily because it felt like telling the world, oh, yes, thank you for allowing us to be alive. She was like, no, we're ending it like this because you are not letting us be alive enough. So to have made a happy ending would have given everyone a false sense of the way that you treat women and and queer people is okay. You know, it's like, no, it's not true. We have this great love. And because of the way that the world is, this is the ending that feels more honest. Yeah. There's still work to be done. And that felt accurate to me. Like, it wasn't just tragic for tragedy's sake or exploiting queer love and queer stories for a guttural emotional reaction, which is what I feel happens with other queer films sometimes. It just felt like a very straightforward truth about queer experience. Yeah, I really like that. I think the ending is kind of perfect. It's like multifaceted, right? It's that reason is is beautiful. Also, the parallel with the Orpheus and Eurydice story, you know, this is the poet's ending, not the lover's. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It feels true to the time, you know, as as much of an expert as I am on, you know, 17th century queer love. Yeah. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. also I feel like since so much of the film is about that equality and, you know, the, the consent and the, the exchange between the two of them, I think by the end they had both agreed, this is the path we're going to take. I'm not going to try to possess you and make you feel bad for making this, this choice that you kind of don't actually have a choice right. in. And so the fact that it ended the way it did, which was not tragic, but still heartbreaking, it's like something they both consented yeah, to. Yeah, it know? wasn't like one of them committed suicide in a very like dramatic way. Right. They're both deliberately like, we can't be together, but I'm going to sneak these little messages yeah, to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of speaking of which, is there anything that you didn't get the first time you watched it? There was one scene where it took me a second and third viewing to really understand the, the nuance. It's after Marianne finishes the second painting. And I think 
Eloise says something along the lines of, um, you know, you, you didn't destroy the first one for me, you did it for yourself. And then Marianne responds with, you know, I, I'd like to destroy right. this one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And there's this whole exchange where I don't think it was clear to me the first time I watched it that at this point, Eloise, had she had basically accepted her fate. Right. Yeah. And anything that Marianne was doing to sort of disagree with it or, or kind of complain about the fact that she's leaving from Eloise's perspective was her not being right. on her side. Yeah. 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 I didn't, yeah, I didn't fully grasp that exchange. I think it may have been a language barrier. It just felt very nuanced. But the more I watched it, the more I was like, oh, okay, I kind of understand now what's what's going on and why there was this huge emotional outburst. Yeah. You know? No, same. Especially because I, I was with. Marianne like I understood where she was coming from it's like no I want to destroy the painting too I could see how she would feel frustrated as an artist to have done this painting that essentially puts her lover in someone else's hands it's like got it I'm with you 100% and then Eloise turns around and she's like you know I don't understand and she's very upset and it's like what don't you understand about this this is you know a horrible position to be in as as Marianne but yeah so that that took me a while to come around to you as well but I think you're right. Like, I think some of it is a translation thing. And I heard that the Criterion version will have a different English translation. So that'll be interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Was there anything else that warranted additional Yeah. To... So after the first portrait is done, she also says, she's like, this is me, you know, whatever. And she says, I can understand how it is not close to me, but I find it sad that it is not close to you. And I feel like there's something in the translation that I'm not getting there. I think I get that she's essentially saying, I understand why this doesn't mean anything to me, but I find it sad that it, you know, it doesn't mean anything to you. And it's like, I think it was just the phrasing, like, I find it sad that it is not close to you. I think that means something else. But yeah, so that took a minute as well. And I feel like there are so many things like, oh, it's this person on Tumblr who translates the DVD commentary. She pointed out that there's a theme throughout the movie about looking and seeing. And in the English translations, they don't use the same words they do. Like, when you look at me, I look at you. When you see me, I see you. Or she says that the way that she would have translated it would have kind of kept it along those same lines of like looking and seeing. Whereas the translator made it something that was more about like just being in in the same moment together. And so I feel like we're missing so much because the translation isn't as artful as the original dialogue, which kind of breaks my heart and makes me want to learn French. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm curious if the Criterion one will be updated as well. I think well. so, Because yeah. you're right. It's like, I feel like the poetry of the language is and the dialogue is is so important and I, it I has imagine the to hardest be. thing to, yeah, to translate. Yeah, you for know? sure. It's like if everything else in the movie is so considered and so thoughtful and there isn't much language at all, whatever language is in there has to be, you know, just incredibly precise. Yeah. I guess we have no choice but to, to learn French. I guess we have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you in about know, three yeah. years. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll come back to this in three years <laughs> after we're both fluent. We. <laughs> <laughs> oui. Do you have a favorite scene? So I would say the one I mentioned earlier with the when she comes mm. back from mass is definitely yeah. up there. It's really hard to pick just one, but there's this other scene that really stands out to me. It's when they're at the witchy gathering and Eloise's dress catches on fire. 
-hmm. There's this moment where Marianne runs up to her and you just see this close-up of her reaching for her. Yeah. And Eloise is on the ground. And then it cuts to them in the sort of rocky hideaway area. Climbing down the cliffs. Yeah, kind of climbing down the cliffs. But it it cuts to them. It's kind of this fluid edit where her arm goes from one shot to the next yeah yeah and something about the way it was edited that really retained that excitement and energy yeah. that just hit me so hard I was like <gasps> again like I think another moment where I gasped yeah. audibly in the theater and like grabbed my girlfriend <laughs> where I was like it's happening because like you know how far are we into the film right. at this point right it's like probably two-thirds if not further the whole time building up to this, it's just been a lot of gazing. Oh my God, my heart is like racing right now. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is one of the many reasons I love the movie is just like the way that they look at each yeah. other. It just feels so sincere. The way the camera looks at them, you're like, I'm looking at you guys too. <laughs> you know, it's like that gaze that's happening, this building of this momentum that finally leads to the scene. Yeah, yeah. In studying this one film, I have learned a new term, and it is called the match cut, right? So it's like, yeah, Yeah. that was a a perfect example of a match cut. But then also, it's like the only scene in the film where music is playing in the background that isn't actually in the scene. So the music from the bonfire is carrying over, like, for the first time in in the film. And I feel like all of these things are done to such good effect. It's like clearly the emotion of the characters has carried through to the from the night before to today and it leads into their first kiss and the whole thing is just ridiculously beautiful. Yeah, that whole build up it's like the swell and then the gates open. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say is your favorite scene if you have one? Oh, oh, I have I have many favorite scenes. <laughs> You're like, "Hold on a second, I have a list." Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull out my list. First, it's right. the first scene. Oh, second, it's the second scene. <laughs> no, my favorite scene is is definitely when Marianne sees the page 28 in the painting. Mm-hmm. My heart just shattered into a million pieces when I'm I'm even like almost tearing right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I was gonna say I'm I'm like about to cry like honestly like you literally you just said page twenty I'm like oh, it's God. like the way that she she saw something in the program and then she ran across the a crowded gallery a gallery crowded with fancy noble people right she just shoved her way through. And then the look on her face when she first sees Eloise's face in the portrait, like it's not even her in real life, but she might as well be there, right? The way that she regards her expression. And then as her face travels down to the, you know, the face of her child, she pauses there. And then this is all the camera work, but, and then you see it and it's like, everything just floods back immediately. And then you see it in Noemi's face as Marianne and you see it happen. Like you see the realization, you see that this is a message from Eloise to me. And then she looks back up to Eloise's face and it's like, ah, I'm dying. You know, I just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, like gives me (laughs) chills. Like I just, I feel like I'm reliving that moment, but yeah, you're right. When they cut to Marianne's face and the way it's framed, it's so perfect. She's in the center, all this noise behind her and, she has the perfect expression yeah. and you you really yeah. feel it, you yeah. know? I think Celine said something about Noemi. Like, she described her as she always looks like a kid who's just been woken up for Christmas. And it's like, oh. you're right. Oh, my God, you're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I feel like it's especially, that vibe is especially strong in that scene. 
Was she saying that about her character? No, Marianne? I think it's or just... Or Noemi. Like, oh, my God. Th- yeah, that's just, like, the presence that she exudes. And if you look at her, just that's her, true. her photos and stuff from red carpets and whatever... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can see that. I was just watching the live stream from like a promo for mm-hmm. Jumbo with the director and they did a live stream over Instagram. And I think she's she's just holding up her phone in front of her face the whole time. And she just looks like you just want to uh-huh. like squish her, yeah. you know, like, yeah, that's a that's wow. That's a perfect yeah, description. Yeah. Of <laughs> Incredible. We talked about many things that we liked about the film and first but maybe not foremost is the fact that it's a beautiful and well-made film i think foremost for me is the fact that it was a film made through the queer gaze and specifically through female queer gaze right or queer female gaze and i don't know that i had thought about it i well i know for a fact that i didn't think about it at all while i was watching the film but afterwards like i i think that even though i didn't understand that that's why it had such an effect on me that is definitely why it had such an effect on me. And it's sort of heartbreaking for me to think about how different the world would be or how different everything would be if women, just women, like not even queer women, but like women were treated this way in the things that we consumed all the time, you know, like just with such respect and complexity and and love, you know, like how different would would culture be if this is how everyone viewed women? I think that's probably why the the biggest reason that I love this film so much. Yeah, I don't think I realized how much that perspective, that point of view and that gaze was missing yeah. from the culture. I mean, the culture in general, but in this case, in film, until I saw this movie, it's like I didn't notice the absence until I experienced it. Whoa! But wait, yeah, that's a really that's exactly <laughs> like that line. Did it feel like? Wait, what? Like I felt the liberation, oh. but oh right, <laughs> <laughs> but I also felt your absence. Oh my god! I'm telling you, this movie has just like completely incepted itself yeah. into everything about my life. <laughs> it's funny, you know. This is again off topic, but like I'm not a baby. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a baby gay. I'm not just. Right. I'm not just starting to sort of consume queer media. Um, I've been in this game a while. <laughs> but this movie, when I saw this, it was very reminiscent of discovering something for the first time. Oh my god! It's just like that line. Like, do all lovers <laughs> oh feel god. like they invented something new? Are we in the movie? This I, is I, I think we are. <laughs> it's, it's super meta. Um, but without sounding too cheesy it it felt like kind of falling in love for the first time and definitely seeing a queer film for the first time although a 10 billion times better than the first film I saw I think but I totally lost my train of thought but (laughs) (laughs) oh we were talking about the the queer gaze and the female gaze but not realizing that it was missing in multiple ways right like not just the viewpoint of the camera but also the way that the characters looked at each other with such desire but also respect and equality you know that is something else that's absent from not only queer cinema but from women in films I don't think we're given that kind of regard generally and that kind of respect yeah so yeah it's it's kind of incredible it is heartbreaking to know that this isn't the norm (laughs) but at the same time I feel very lucky and privileged that we have something like this now yeah you know and you know it's like I I think about current films with largely female casts and if you take something like Ocean's 8 was it so clearly passes the Bechdel test fine 
but the women still have to be super attractive, you know? And they're planning a heist and they're in charge of everything, but there's something missing. There's an environment missing that this film created so easily. The way that Marianne and Eloise talk to each other, but also the way that they talk to Sophie, you know? Or the way that Marianne interacts with the Countess, you know, they're not equal in class, but they just have like a normal conversation and it's taken for granted that they'll treat each other in a way that is normal and respectful. And I don't know. Yeah. I I think in a future episode, we're going to have to dive directly into the queer gaze stuff, but this movie is amazing and I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Something you said just reminded me of when I was referencing the scene earlier where Marianne finishes the second painting, when I think of that scene, I think of it as when they finish yeah, the painting. Yeah, that's In true. my mind, it's this collaboration, you know, which is just, <sighs> not only is it not typical of films in general, but also, you know, with paintings, anything involving an artist and their, like, muse, it's always this sort of imbalance. And I think in this case, it felt very much egalitarian and consensual, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we like it for a lot of reasons. Great. Okay. So we like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we like the movie. So to wrap things up, let's turn it outward a little bit. Are there other movies, other things that you've seen or experienced that hit you similarly to Portrait? The short answer is no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nothing quite to this extent that I can recall. However, when I saw the Black Mirror episode San Junipero, yep. I had... Not to the same extent, but a similar reaction where I was like, what? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> where did that come from? Was totally blown away. Was also pretty preoccupied with it for a while. And I think for different reasons, maybe. I mean, maybe similar reasons. In, even Mackenzie though it was, Davis. I believe, directed by... <laughs> Ma- well, okay. Mackenzie Davis. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> and that's it. Let's be honest. There's something about the... Even though it was, I believe, directed by a man there's something about the respect that is paid to the story and the actors where it does still feel like a queer gaze. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a male gaze, I should say. Right. And also just that aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. 80s, overly saturated look like I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> but that definitely had an impact on me. Also, as I mentioned earlier, I saw Carol in theaters and I think I was already anticipating that film and, and really excited about it. And so I walked out of that one, too, feeling like, holy shit, that was incredible. And that was directed by Todd Mm -hmm. Haynes, who's a gay man. And so, again, I didn't feel like there was this male gaze. I felt like similar to Portrait, the actors in the film, they gaze at each other throughout the whole movie in this way that is just like, I'm going to eat you alive. It's super beautiful. It's super sexy. And also another period piece. I don't know if there's, there's <laughs> right, a connection yeah. there, but um, again, not quite to the same extent, but I, I walked out of the film also feeling like, wow, this is incredible. What about you? <laughs> so oddly, maybe not oddly, I haven't seen Carol and I hadn't seen it. That is odd. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen it because it's like a love story between two women set in, what is it, like the 50s or something? I think it's 40s. Like 40s or yeah. 50s, yeah. Cannot possibly end well, so I'm just going to let this one pass. But side note, it's interesting that it seems like the trend for queer women romance is blonde lady and brunette lady fall in love with each other, (laughs) which is fine. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. It's totally fine. It's okay. (laughs) Especially, I guess, for like period romances. So I will definitely be seeing that one. But San Junipero, I forget why it came up, but... I think it was just sort of talked about around the internet as being a very, very good episode. I think a couple of people had mentioned that it was a queer romance, and I was like, oh, 
okay. And and it's like one of the few, if not the only Black Mirror episode that ends happily, in a sense. <laughs> so Ends not just happily, but not in the most disturbing, right, twisted right. way Right, right. Yeah, possible. yeah. Like even the one about the crew of that Star Trek parody, even that was super dark. They escaped, but, you know, spoilers, sorry. It was, oh, it was really dark. Anyway, San Junipero hit me pretty hard, not as hard as Portrait, but hard enough for me to order an enamel pin for it immediately. Oh. I think I have something that says, like, resident of San Junipero. But yeah, I'd love to eventually break down why those particular things have the impact that they did and what are some of the criteria that makes that makes for good queer cinema and television. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think the pat if there is a pattern there, I don't think it's overt or yeah. explicit. So it'd be great to dive into that. In the meantime, if you haven't seen either of those, including you. <laughs> right. Got it, got it. <laughs> those are two that we recommend. Yep. And if you have recommendations for us for things that we should see that we should put on our list, you can email us at podcastofladyonfire at gmail.com. And we've also got an Instagram account. We have started posting. Check us out, uh, Podcast of a Lady on Fire on Instagram. Until next time. See ya. Present day, Laurel and Audrey have returned. Uh, we are older, older, so much older, not much wiser. And uh, yeah, what are your what are your initial thoughts? Because we just sat here and listened to it together. Oh, <laughs> it was hard. It was a little hard. Um, I mean, it's always kind of weird listening to your yourself, but listening to an earlier version of yourself is is especially strange. Um. Like, hearing that episode brings back very clear memories of um, the realization that, oh, no, I have never really seriously analyzed a film for an audience before. And now we're just going to be talking about it and recording it. But luckily, I loved Portrait so much that I had consumed the analyses of much smarter people beforehand and everything (laughs) ended up being okay. And now we're on our fourth season. Yay. You know, I actually, I feel like the fact that neither of us had done something like that before, but both of us were really conscious of like production, you know, like you'd, you'd done podcasting before Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. like edited, you know, video stuff before and yeah, that worked out really well. (laughs) Yeah. I think like that combined with our sort of, um, I don't know, like there was this sort of like innocence and almost like a naivete around what (laughs) we were saying, That's true. which I felt like made it really special. And now we're like jaded and like (laughs) we're jaded (laughs) we think too much about no 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 i think we i don't know i think we still because we're approaching it as two people who are not like professional critics or you know film scholars yeah yeah. i can't speak for anyone listening but like i think that's kind of that's one of the reasons i like what we're doing (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah i had a similar reaction i was more or what what caught my attention was less like the being non-practiced side of things but more like the audio production <laughs> i was like this is the second time I'd, I'd edited a podcast episode it was our second episode and mm-hmm. for i could tell it's funny because i used to spend a lot more time editing and dealing with like sort of post-production stuff but i think it sounds a little bit better now i don't know anyway i guess yeah. that, that's how it works <laughs> i'm so curious what you heard because i it sounded great to me then and now 
Okay, the main thing is like I didn't really give us room to breathe in the editing. Like oh, I think like the yeah, flow okay. for me, I tried to keep it like really tight and like move yeah. it along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like listening to more podcasts now and like just listening back on some of our older episodes, you know, back then I was thinking people just want a quick thing. And you know, I think some people do they the listen yeah. to the podcast at like four times the speed or whatever. <laughs> but I think for like flow and like story, it actually helps to have more spacing. Yeah. 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 And back then I was just like cutting everything. So it was like this <laughs> really tight shift and like you have no like, so space we're barely like of... breathing or yeah, it, that's yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. that. Um, there's some stuff with levels that it doesn't really bother me. I think it's still, I, you know, that's something that I kind of let slide now. Cause <laughs> I can't sit there and like manipulate everything. So it's like perfect. But, um, and we were doing that every week. That's crazy. That was the crazy. I mean, this was, Again, in the middle, middle, early days of the pandemic. And so yeah. I think we just had a little bit more time because we were That's true. kind of forced to stay at home, right? There's aspects of that that I really miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I still don't really, like, I can't, I don't, I still don't understand how we did it. But yeah. I know. All I was doing was this. I mean, I was working from home. I was, but I was doing the podcast stuff and I was like playing Animal Crossing and that was like my <laughs> yeah, I think I had yeah, like yeah. 10 other art projects too but now I'm like I can't I can barely you know take a shower um, <laughs> I think the other thing too is this is dumb but like I I didn't get my pop filter yet. Oh, and so I had a lot of like little yeah. plosives which it's like these little things that you know most people probably don't even notice do you remember which episode you got the pop filter before? I don't. So I think it was it. it was pretty early on. It was like within the first like maybe five episodes probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't go back and listen to <laughs> every day. <laughs> this might be like the first time I've revisited this episode. Since... I think I used to listen to the episodes after they came out. I don't know. It was fun because it was like, oh, this is a fun conversation that I had. And like now everything is so sad and depressing. But now it's like, uh, God. um, and chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I usually when I'm editing, I'll listen to an episode <laughs> like three times. Right, yeah, that's true, that's true. You know, not all of it, but most of it on, on various like modalities, pl whatever platforms. And so, um, yeah, I, I think so too. Like, I think when stuff came out, I would listen to it again um, just to just to relive it. But it's been like at least, what, three years since I probably listened to this one. Mm -hmm. But I had the same sort of like emotional reaction where I was clutching my <laughs> my chest <laughs> <laughs> like when we're talking about like how we're like oh my god we're getting chills and we're like tearing up and all this stuff I was like yeah. yes yes I feel it <laughs> I think you can you can really hear in our voices and like the way we're talking about the movie like how hard we've fallen and it's like yeah. really cute you know to like listen to us talk about this crush you know slash yeah. obsession yeah. actually that we have for this this movie I mean we're like literally gushing um <laughs> and that's really cute because when's the last time you gushed yeah. Aww. <laughs> This was my last that cinematic was it, that crush. Was it. Yeah. But yeah, we I thought we sounded really like young and wholesome <laughs> <laughs> and like kind of chipper. And now we've hardened. Yeah. I don't know. It was really sweet. It was very emotional to go back and listen to it. I guess it, it like the timing was really the timing was such that the crush that happened came at such a surreal time that it probably amplified it, right? Oh yeah. Like we were isolated the world was kind of ending and then we had this movie and it was like wow this is wonderful yeah and I think I don't know about you but I don't think I had a opportunity to really talk about it in depth right yeah like, that was true. probably the first time that happened 
you know? And yeah. so it was like, we had to sit with it for a little bit. And then it was like the floodgates opened, <laughs> you know, and all of our gross lesbianic emotions <laughs> poured out. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was thinking like that, that whole experience, I mean, it's still special, but like, obviously that was like the st- beginning of everything. Right. And so, you know, we've talked about this before, but like, have we had that feeling since or even close, you know, mm-hmm. like I th- we've talked about this a lot with like Heather Petrocelli and I think there are a couple movies that I definitely felt something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean like intensely, but nothing to that point where I was like, what's another movie that you felt intensely about? After sun was definitely oh, one of them. Yeah, good Like one. I definitely yeah. lost my breath. I had to sit there for a while to, yeah. and I still, and I actually think about it a lot and I feel yeah, like yeah. that's a movie I tell a, a lot of people one. see. Yeah. Um, and then another one was maybe surprisingly past lives, which mm-hmm. um, not quite portrait level, obviously, but like I, I saw it at Sundance and I was not expecting, I almost skipped it. Cause I was like, Oh, this doesn't look like I'm going to love yeah. it. And then um, afterwards I was really, really, really moved. And I think uh, Valerie complex tweeted immediately. Like uh, this was portrait for straight people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah, that's yeah. so spot on. <laughs> yeah, but I still felt yeah. it. I feel like when when something is at that level, it sort of transcends, you know, sexuality, whatever, yeah. like, you know, and so I think it moved me a lot, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. What about you? Uh, after Sun, definitely. Um, I'm glad you, you said that because I'd forgotten, but for sure. Um, and then I was thinking that it's weird that it didn't happen with a league of their own which i really really loved but it didn't like i wasn't crushed out on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it didn't give me the feels which it wasn't supposed to it's like a really sweet fun series um that i did really really love but yeah it wasn't a crush i was thinking about this yesterday because i just saw um all of us strangers and i think that portrait for a movie to do that for me personally one of the things it has to check off is like where it kind of meets you, like how restrained mm-hmm. it is, I think, mm-hmm. in, in the in the whole cinematic experience, like the story. And I think with Portrait, because it's not, it's not doing a lot of telling me how to feel, mm-hmm. I think like it pulls me closer to it, if that makes sense. I don't so know. So it's, it's playing hard to get and it's you are Kind of. <laughs> but I think, thank you, that's a better way of putting it. But like, I think with something like League of Their Own, which I like obviously loved I'm never gonna like fall so hard that I like I'm like falling forever in a sense because it's just not the right kind of storytelling I think yeah kajillionaire actually had a little bit of yeah it wasn't as like same severe is maybe the wrong word but like it wasn't as intense as the other films but yeah there was like I think it's the weirdness because it's so like not straightforward I think I was able to get lost in it a little bit more yeah 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 same that one that one definitely blew me away i don't know if it was like the romance or what but there was it was a different kind of mind-blowing yeah yeah it's interesting because i was gonna say i wonder if it has to have a romance in order for me to feel like that Mm. but after sun wasn't a romance but there was a lot of love in it you know like so maybe it just has to be this kind of deeply felt human connection has to be there Maybe the drama part, because I, Kajillionaire, yeah. like, you know, it's Marangela, so it's a, it's very quirky, and I think there's, like, a twee aspect of her movies mm-hmm. that it's not going to kind of, like, just totally slaughter me the way that yeah. a movie yeah. like After Sun and, and Portrait does, but, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> 
great. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to go lie down now. <laughs> uh. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. And um, if you've been here since our podcast of Lady on Fire Days, big thank you for sticking around. Do you still have portrait feels after all this time? Uh, leave a comment about it on Instagram at Sapphic Culture Club or email us about it at sapphiccultureclub at gmail.com. I'm going to guess that everyone still has the portrait feels too. <laughs> you are going to find links to things we mentioned as well as the episode transcript in the episode description wherever you're listening to this podcast. I don't know why I said that like a threat. You're going to find the links. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye.